Chelsea Fairless. And welcome back to another episode of the Every Outfit Podcast. Lauren, you have some pretty big life news. Care to share? Um, I mean, I did recently finish another rewatch of Sex in the City. Is that what you're referring to? Obviously not. Tell the fuckettes. I'm engaged, guys. <laughs> See, I would let out a Charlotte-like screech, but of course I already knew this. But for those that don't know, do you care to divulge all of the sexy details? Many people I know in real life were like, are you going to post about this on Instagram? And I was like, guys, I of course have to tell the fuckettes on the podcast first, then I can do an Instagram announcement of this. Wow, look at you, you little content slave. <laughs> That's actually really sad when you think about it. You're like, no, I have to announce on the podcast before I do my Instagram post and then I'll actually tell people I know. That's just the Delulu times we live in now. <laughs> I had a feeling I was going to get engaged on my anniversary. I knew broadly it was going to happen but I did not know the details at all. But he did do right. He did let you and Tat know a few days before what was happening. Yeah, I was getting a little scared as the first anniversary was approaching because I was like, is this motherfucker seriously not going to give me the courtesy <laughs> of sending so much as an iPhone photo of this ring before he gives it to you. But no, he did at the last minute, but he did. Thank God. <laughs> he is a straight man after all. Also, if there are straight men listening and you don't know that you need to do that, you need to do that. Yeah, you need to let the girlfriends know. If Paul didn't have such good taste, I wouldn't trust him with the ring buying, but the ring is gorgeous. Thank you. Let's start with the most shocking fact that really shook all of my friends, which is I had no part in the ring design. He did very well. He has a friend named Pick... <laughs> <laughs> He has a friend whose name you will never be able to pronounce. He has a friend named Pickney Gould, and she is a jewelry designer, and she designed this ring with the help of Paul. There were sketches. Did you see the sketches? No, I didn't see the sketches. I didn't go that deep with Paul. Anyway, I was brought to the Mr. Chow restaurant, which I had no idea we were going to, even though I heavily hinted at it while we were watching the documentary. I was like, just so you know, a lot of important life events for me have happened at this <laughs> restaurant. Oh, so you forced him to take you to Mr. Chow. Now again, he could be lying to me but he said that like just before we watched the documentary he made a reservation there so you go to mr chow but that's not where it went down no we went to mr chow and i did have that carrie bradshaw moment when she goes to the italian restaurant i think it's an italian restaurant with aiden and he keeps pulling stuff out of his jacket and she thinks he's gonna propose there paul kept pulling stuff out of his jacket like his phone like a flashlight and i kept being like holy shit it's gonna happen now why the fuck does he have a flashlight have we not discussed that he got a flashlight that's reported to be the best flashlight from the subreddit R flashlights. Yeah, but I didn't realize he was pulling it out at restaurants like a senior citizen. I know his eyesight isn't good in one of the eyes, but like, is it that bad? And is that something you should think more about before you marry this person? You know what? He never had braces and that's the more important part for me. You and I both have extensive dental issues. So that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, but for. we never had braces. Or did you have braces? Oh my God, for four years. Oh, I never had braces. People are like, tell us about the fucking proposal. <laughs> 
So Paul had hinted that we were going to two locations, which then my mind started to be like, is he bringing me back to my parents' house? My mind just went to never go to the second Second location. location. (laughs) That is what I kept thinking as well. I was like, wow, what if he murdered me? Like, what an interesting long con. I wondered if we were going to go back to the New Beverly Cinema, which is where we had one of our first dates, where I was like, is he really going to propose in front of Quentin Tarantino's theater? Then I was like, are we going to Malibu? I did not think we would be going to the Sunset Tower, mostly because I had lunch with friend of the show Lauren Kramer there just hours earlier and ran into other friend of the show Evan Rosskatz. And they were all just still there. (laughs) So you fucked up his plan by already going to Sunset Tower on that same day. Yes, yeah. So we went there and had a drink. As you know, Friday night, it's quite turnt there. There was literally a bouncer that wouldn't even let us go around to the bar to be like, is there any space? He was like, we're full. It was a goddamn club. So we went to the other side. Blessedly, there was one stool at the bar counter. We ordered a drink. He was like, I got to go do something. I started to look at the woman next to me who was reading the screenwriting book, Save the Cat. For those of you who don't live in Los Angeles, Tower Bar is not the place to be reading a book on a Friday. (laughs) night that's crazy she's like insane for that just for context i'm trying to think of like a comparable situation outside of los angeles i guess it would just be going to the most happening club or restaurant and reading like the subtle art of not giving a fuck or something yes and so paul is gone i'm not even conscious that he's somewhere evidently getting a room key he's booked a hotel for the night because she starts talking to the bartender who is like making 15 espresso martinis for like real housewives rejects behind me who are complaining about like gin versus vodka. Oh my God, Lauren, we're still not at the proposal. (laughs) What is going on? I'm speaking for the audience here. Anyway, he comes back. He puts the ring box down, but I don't see it because the bar is so fucking dark. And he puts a room key, which I'm like, oh my God, he got a room. And then he asked, will you be my wife? I said yes, but in my head I was like, let me see what this ring looks like. Right. And the ring was really good. I was not expecting this ring. I don't really have the vocabulary to describe jewelry, but it's like a circular diamond, gold setting, thick, like a little organic, but not really, if that makes any sense. It's curvy. It's thick. She's thick. Do you want to say what you said when you tried on the ring? What did I say? This ring fits me better. This ring is meant for me. Well, it fits my finger better because it's a little too big for yours. That's all I'm saying. I wasn't saying it's more like my style than yours. While Chelsea was saying that, I just handed her the ring again and she's wearing it. I think you should wear it for the rest of the show. See, you either need to gain like five pounds in your hand or get this resized. Hmm, which one will I choose? (laughs) But I'm not the only one with some personal news. No, we're not transitioning out of this yet. Okay. Okay, so you're engaged. Now what? What is the vibe like? Are you going to have bridesmaids? Am I one of them? What's going on with that? Do you remember a recent conversation months ago where you were just like, well, of course I'm your maid of honor. So am I your maid of honor? <laughs> I mean, you you got dibs, so yeah. <laughs> Oh my God, I'm so honored. Thank you, honey. You're the first one to say it. I'm grateful to be the maid of honor, but I'm curious to know, like... Aren't you technically the matron of honor because you are married? Is that what it's called? You can be married and be maid of honor, can't you? A matron of honor is anyone who occupies the same role and fulfills the same duties as a maid of honor, but has already had a wedding of their own. Oh, 
God. Okay, never mind. I don't want it. <laughs> I'm just nervous because like sometimes the chillest people turn into full monsters and I just like don't know if that's going to be you yet. You can really never tell. I made a vow with my mom today, Paul, my mother and I, while we were at the house, which we are all like the three of us are somehow renovating the house together. My mother is the project manager and we're also dealing with the gut reno. We made a vow that we were going to have a, a low effort wedding. That's great. Because this past year has been so stressful between the film and now the house renovation that I can't handle a stressful wedding. We're not going to get like a really long, like traditional Catholic ceremony or anything. No, but that's the first thing my dad said. He was like, well, surely you're going <laughs> to. He's like, what about the church downtown? I was like, excuse me, what? That's, by the way, my other vow, which I have told you ahead of time, is that I will not be making my friends drive downtown. That's a beautiful beautiful thing thank you for that i'll tell you this that bride jean shit is real because i went from like i'm gonna get eloped i gonna spend thousands of dollars on a bridal dress to like we're having a wedding and i already made an appointment at a bridal studio yeah it snowballs i'm telling you okay so as the maid of honor matron okay well now you're definitely getting a flash mob at your wedding okay <laughs> that just cemented things maybe it's not a flash mob like it's more like the love actually thing where everyone just starts playing instruments do you know who would straight up pay for that my father <laughs> He'd be like, great idea, Chelsea. You know what my gift to you guys is going to be? I'm going to sing Casey and JoJo's All My Life at your wedding. <laughs> no wedding gift. That's it. You're welcome. How sponsored are we going to allow this wedding to be? Sponsored by Dipsy? Oh my God, that would be so amazing. You can do your vows and then work in some spawn about... Oh, also, I don't always listen to the ads, but I heard that ad that you did for the cowboy audio erotica that's also werewolves. Is that real? Yeah. And you will be incorporating that into your vows. Of course. At the very least, we're going to have a completely sponsored bachelorette party. I'm here for it. Okay, can we move on? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Should we talk about how the next morning I went down in only a, a bathrobe and saw Grace Coddington having breakfast? <laughs> that's better than the engagement. Yeah. Oh, and then because I was there for lunch, it was the same daytime staff and exactly the same waiter who had served Lauren and I the previous day where I had ordered a tower smash. So at nine in the morning, he was like, tower smash? And I was like, okay, so funny story. <laughs> I don't live here. I do actually have a home. I just was proposed to. And then they brought my pancakes with a little candle in it. He was like, I, I'm not sure what to do in these situations. And I said, that's fine. We're also celebrating Martin Scorsese's birthday. Was it his birthday? It was. How old did he turn? 80 or 81. So he has a young child on the way is what you're saying. <laughs> He has a 21-year-old. You've seen those TikToks, right? Yeah, but I'm just saying he needs a new bundle of joy. Of course, that he has to pay $30,000 a month in child support like Al Pacino. <sighs> Can we get to your personal news? Okay, my personal news is not exciting compared to your personal news. We maybe should have done your personal news and my personal news. Yeah, I didn't get engaged, but I do have a new dog. Yay! He is very, very cute. You decided to debut him on Instagram before talking about it on the podcast i didn't like i have a rollout strategy for my dog 
<laughs> that much I will say. I'm not quite on your level. It's all content with a K. Has a decade of watching the Kardashians taught you nothing? Actually, this does sound like a sponsored dog because I named my dog Mr. Big. Or as I call him, John James Preston. He's a big English bulldog. We rescued him, so he's giving Richard Burton vibes. They think he's like two or three, and based on his white little teeth, I, I don't doubt that. I don't think it's an orphan situation, but, you know, who knows? When I came over to your house this weekend, because as I've also learned, when you get engaged, people are just happy for you. Our friend and hair colorist, Casey, was like, just being engaged is the best. Everyone's so happy for you. And it's true. That's why I think you guys should wait a little while to get married and not just so I can memorize the lyrics to all my life, but because being someone's girlfriend and someone's wife, not exciting things. No. Boring things. Unsexy even, I would say. Being someone's fiance, extremely sexy. Smoking hot. It does fuck. But I was over at your house on Saturday and I showed you the ring and I met Mr. Big for the first time. But you and I had the same intrusive thought because he does like to jump of like, what if he just ate the ring off of my finger? And we are both such demented content monsters that we were like, that'd be okay. It'd be a good story for the pod. Yeah, I definitely like make a reel of me digging <laughs> through my dog's shit trying to find your engagement ring. I'm not above that. Sponsored by Glad Bags. <laughs> you have a fiance, I have a dog, and we still haven't gotten into anything that's happened this week. But not much has happened, so thank God. And unfortunately, most of it's bad news so let's play the theme terrible news <laughs> bad news <laughs> only on every outfit lauren sanchez is in vogue <laughs> I love when Vogue does something controversial because it happens so rarely. And I think that when it does happen, even if it's negative attention, it does benefit them. Because you have to admit, this is very zeitgeisty. Well, it's an article as much about Jeff Bezos as it is about his fiance Lauren Sanchez, and their dual obsession with space exploration. Right. The photos are actually the least offensive thing about it. Disagree, but <laughs> continue. Reading the article made me feel feels so odd. Like a billionaire and his soon-to-be wife making their insane life seem normal is deeply disconcerting. Like I know it's their normal, but it's not endearing to me when Jeff Bezos is making Lauren Sanchez and Chloe Mall, who wrote this article, a margarita, and he's like, oh, we're out of salt. Chloe Mall writes like two minutes later, salt just appeared. No, it's true. It is very sinister. Yeah, obviously billionaires shouldn't exist and Amazon should treat their employees better. But like Vogue was built on these kind of bitches. You know what I mean? Like covering women like Lauren Sanchez is like what this magazine has done for literally over 100 years now. Her ascension to this new level of prominence is astounding because I feel like there's this idea that she just came out of nowhere which is not true. One, she was the one of the co-hosts for Good Day LA, which was my local news show of choice growing up. But she married one of the partners at WME, Patrick Weitzel, who is Matt Damon and Ben Affleck's agent. It's not like she's some yokel that came out of nowhere. She has, I guess, a high pedigree for Los Angeles. <laughs> yes. What were some other things that struck you about this article? Because I've taken many notes. Oh, God. I don't know if any... See, I was, I was preoccupied with the photos 
just not the article. Talk to me about the article because maybe something will come back to me. I don't want to discuss the article line by line, but I do need to discuss the top of the article where Jeff Bezos tells Lauren Sanchez jokingly that it might be too early for margaritas at 2 p.m. And I spent the rest of the article being like, is that too early for margaritas? I don't think so. I think it is for most people. We don't give a fuck. We're freelancers. Like, who the fuck cares, you know? But to people with actual, like, structured lives. So Lauren Sanchez talks about how she herself is going to venture into space next year, filling the capsule of New Shepard, the name of the Blue Origin's reusable 60-foot suborbital rocket with five other women, about whom she will only say that they will be remarkable and they are, quote, paving the way for women. Oh, God. So it's definitely going to be Kim Kardashian. That's what I'm thinking. Diane von Furstenberg, maybe? Because they're such close friends. Uh, Such good friends that her and her husband, Barry Diller, will be hosting a second engagement party for them in their Beverly Hills home. Wild. This whole article, right, because a good Vogue profile needs to have a great setting, and the setting is this gigantic ranch that Jeff Bezos has purchased that Chloe Mall describes as Oppenheimer meets Amangiri. I thought that was a great descriptor. Like, I got that immediately. Also, for the Sex and the City fans out there, I just want to note that Chloe Mall is Candace Bergen's daughter, the real Enid, if you will. And her father is the famed director, Louis Amal. And she's worked at Vogue for 10,000 years. And I think this was a great profile personally, but continue. There's another anecdote about Lauren Sanchez being at a Keurig Foundation auction during Fashion Week. And then her and Kim Kardashian bid for a Balenciaga couture session, it seems. And they just yelled across the room to each other that they'll share it. I think it was like a dress that they straight up auctioned, but like one of one. And they're like, okay, it's fine if there's two, if it's like me and Kim or whatever. Yeah, we'll share it, meaning they could take turns with one dress. I thought you wear it once, I'll wear it once. It'll be cute, says Kardashian. Instead, Keurig offered to make two dresses and both women paid $200,000 and will travel to Paris together for the fitting. Kim also says, Lauren and I are always sending DMs, building each other up. Every time there's a look that we like, she'll say, wow, or oh my God, you look amazing. She's such a girl's girl. I find it fascinating that celebrities are so interested in Jeff Bezos and Lauren Sanchez. Like, I I get it. I think it's more of like an access to information thing. I think it's like they want to know, like, if it's the end of the world, I want a heads up and I want to know what weird underground bunker I need to be in when shit goes down. Something I think about a lot is how much land billionaires have bought. Bill Gates owns most of the farmland in America. Really? We're so fucked. (laughs) Um, Another anecdote that I enjoyed is that Sanchez uses a mug Bezos got her from Amazon with the words, woke up sexy as hell again, splashed across the side. So I love that even Jeff Bezos can't resist a, a cringy Amazon coffee mug. Who can? Can we talk about the photos a little bit? Of course. Because I thought the photos were amazing. And by amazing, I mean perfect for this article. I think they were extremely campy. Annie Leibovitz shot them. Well, the campiest of which is her with Jeff Bezos in the pickup truck. Yes, where Jeff Bezos is wearing a cowboy hat. And that reminded me so much of the short-lived Condé Nast title Men's Vogue. Because that was the aesthetic of Men's Vogue. It's like, let's take someone that actually isn't that rugged and outdoorsy and just like throw them in a shoot where it looks like that. But it never looked genuine. So it always ended up looking really campy and like borderline gay. 
And I think that's what happened here. It's also the combination of the retouching and Lauren Sanchez's work. Like it's not like a natural vibe. Like actually this should have been shot by David LaChapelle now that I'm thinking about it. Ooh. To really lean into it. But I actually liked that they didn't try to style her. Like they didn't try and give her a quiet luxury Vogue makeover. No, it's funny that you say that because I did know that even within the article Chloe Mall says, call her effect exuberant luxury. A reminder that not every wealthy woman needs to swallow herself in the row. Which is such a classy way of being like, yeah, so what? She wears a ton of Dolce and Gabbana. And they say she just wants to wear Dolce. She wants to wear Valentino. Short, tight. That's her. She cites Selma Hayek as a style inspiration, which makes sense. But then she also cites Amal Clooney as a style inspiration, which makes a little less sense. But I like that they just kind of owned who she was. But it did feel very dystopian, especially that photo of her wearing the green dress, like gazing out at the desert. It's like she's looking at Mars, thinking about colonizing it or something. Yeah, there's a part where Jeff Bezos is asked about space exploration is like, is this not just rich people shit, essentially? And he's like, no, what? I, I go out to space so that our children have a place to live in the future. Which reminded me of a recent Joe Rogan episode. Yes, guys, it's one of my more toxic traits that I sometimes watch Joe Rogan clips. He was asking Elon Musk about the cobalt mines and how fucked up that is. And he was like, no, actually, it isn't at all. And Joe Rogan was like, oh, okay. I, there's no follow up from Chloe Mall about, like, um, aren't you like fucking up the planet more by habitually trying to go to space? Yeah, it's true that they do position themselves as people that care about the environment, or at least Lauren does in this article. But it's it's like, bitch, you're talking about going to space for no reason, potentially with the Kardashians and Diane von Furstenberg. It's wild. And you know what thrilled me more even than reading this article and looking at the photos was the comments on Instagram on these posts were so fucking funny. Oh, no, I didn't look. The Internet, like, collectively was like, no. <laughs> and I love when that happens. It's not like you're teaching Vogue a lesson because you're just giving them more engagement. This is what Vogue needs. This is not a bad thing for Vogue. And also, we can't pretend like someone like Lauren Sanchez is it of public interest? I think we're all very interested. I'm extremely interested in this. You would get the sense from all of the talk about this that she was on the cover of Vogue this month, but she wasn't. A lot of the comments were like, oh, you forgot to say ad and sponsored in this post. Right. <laughs> sort of inferring that this was bought and paid for, which I do think on some abstract level it is. You know, did Jeff Bezos perhaps donate a shit ton of money to Anna Winter's favorite charity? Perhaps. Yeah, I don't think it's like they're wiring money straight to Vogue. I think it's more of just a understood thing. But if it was a true conspiracy, we would have gotten her wedding dress on the cover as we did for Melania Trump, which was the last time that I remember a piece about a socialite getting this much attention. Well, they haven't had their wedding yet. I'm bracing myself. But this is all to say that Nicki Minaj was on the cover of Vogue this yeah. month. <laughs> yeah, more importantly, Nicki Minaj was on the cover of Vogue, and I was so happy to see that. It's so long overdue. I'm not even mad that she got the traditional Vogue, like, gray seamless treatment, because we have never really seen her look like this. I thought the styling was incredible for this shoot. Yeah, I love seeing her in the oversized pinstripe suit. That was so good. And, uh, yeah, it's just a huge win for the barbs. Are you a barb as well? 
well. Can you be a Swifty and a Barb? Like, how many standums can you be a part of? Of course you can. I'm definitely a Barb. But I cannot wait for her new album to come out next month. Did you watch the 73 questions? I watched the beginning. It wasn't good. It's fine that you didn't. Like, I love Nikki, but, you know. They need to recalibrate it. 73 questions is too many questions. This 73 questions, like, wasn't a normal 73 questions. It wasn't, like, snappy. It wasn't choreographed. Like, they literally just asked her 73 questions and she answered them. Like, I feel like she probably didn't watch any other 73 questions before doing this. Yeah, she's finishing an album. She has shit to do. Are the barbs going to come for me if I discuss how they definitely worked around her husband uh, being on probation for not registering himself as a sex offender? Look, I think some barbs care about that. Others don't. I'm not going to ask you which side you're on. (laughs) Moving on. Moving on to something as dark. It is amazing sometimes when we record like how fast news can change because we had Cassie suing Diddy for what I called some dark shit. And then I had to add the next day, Diddy settles immediately. I'm sure if you listen to this podcast, you've heard by now, but in the suit filed in federal district court in Manhattan, Cassie, whose real name is Cassandra Ventura, and who had been a long romantic partner of Mr. Combs, says that not long after she met him in 2005, when she was 19, he began a pattern of control and abuse that included plying her with drugs, beating her, and forcing her to have sex with a succession of male prostitutes while he filmed the encounters. That's how you know that this shit is real, because that is too crazy to make up. Well, that and the fact that he settled this immediately speaks volumes. He saw the public outcry, saw it wasn't going in his favor, and went, oh, fuck, I can't really handle anything else being revealed if this went to trial. It's also fascinating because she was only able to file this lawsuit because the Survivors Act, the same thing that E. Jean Carroll used to sue Trump, which was basically like, it only happened in New York, but it basically gave victims a year period to file a lawsuit after the statute of limitations had ended. E. Jean Carroll did it on like the first day and she did it like it, I think it's probably expired now. Yeah, pretty much the, the last day. If, again, this is incredibly dark, I just wanted to get into a few more details of Cassie's lawsuit, one of which is that in 2012, when Mr. Combs heard that Cassie was dating Kid Cudi, he maybe blew up Kid Cudi's car. Basically, it's like, well, he found out she was dating Kid Cudi, and then sometime soon after that, his car exploded in his driveway. And then through a spokesman, Kid Cudi was like, this is all true. Well, he didn't say Diddy blew up no. my car. He said my car exploded. Right. Which, you know. Just a little bit more about having her have sex with male sex workers. Mr. Combs called these encounters, quote, freak offs, which involved costumes like masquerade masks and lingerie. Clearly, Diddy had been watching Eyes Wide Shut. They continued for years, taking place at high-end hotels across the United States and in Mr. Combs' home. The suit says that he instructed Ms. Ventura to search the websites of escort services and to procure the male sex workers. Don't make me find them myself. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of other really dark shit we are glossing over because it's very depressing, like the fact that he would book hotel rooms after he beat her so that she could recover and no one would find out about this. I also watched a TikTok video of someone who had read every page of the lawsuit that revealed a detail where at one point Diddy asked her, what do you call your grandfather? And she said, 
pop pop and he goes great now you call me pop pop which it's like what the fuck is that about okay that's disgusting details of the settlement have not come to light i would imagine she got that 30 million dollars if not more and i hope she finds peace okay to slightly more fun bad news which is (laughs) our favorite scammer george santos (laughs) this is definitely much more fun so last week the house committee on ethics released a report on george santos who has been using campaign funds to pay down his personal credit cards, which, by the way, work, to get Botox, go to Hermes and Sephora, and subscribe to OnlyFans. That's called self-care, babes. If you love a candidate, you will pay for their OnlyFans and their Botox. Actually, I think that, like, Botox should be an acceptable campaign expense because your appearance is important. All I'm hearing is that George Santos was stimulating the economy. (laughs) Can Mike Pence say that? I think not. What do you think he bought at Hermes? I'm so glad you asked that because this tweet from Paul McAllen said, willing to write a piece where I comb the Hermes website and hypothesize the exact list of items George Santos bought and totaled exacting $4,127.80. If you are an editor, please reach out. It's certainly not a Birkin. It's not any sort of bag because they're not letting him get a bag. My money is on throw pillows and throw throw blankets because a certain kind of gay man loves that shit maybe a little catch-all for his keys maybe yeah or maybe some dog stuff like i saw that they have a very extensive line of dog accessories including 85 dollar dog shampoo which i might just get you for christmas oh thank you yes they also have an insane dog tent did you see that yeah you know look he is the representative that republicans deserve however after this story came out he said that he will not be seeking re-election which makes me very sad yeah when i was looking at this story there's more to this report than was initially reported did you know chelsea that his staffers put together a 114 page report called the george santos vulnerability report no which was what like all of the red flags as if the press doesn't already have like 10,000 of them god damn it's not loading but it's the funniest god damn Elon Musk (laughs) Twitter's taking forever to load okay while you're waiting for that to load I just want to talk about the fact that like surely Sephora should be a campaign expense right like you're on camera you should be able to buy an Ilya skin tint I love how we're just defending him yeah are we not justifying our own quote-unquote business purchases we're like look if we use campaign funds to pay down your personal credit card surely that's fine it's all connected Chell this is what the George Santos vulnerability report looked like it is a xerox photo of george santos where he looks like louis anderson things listed in the vulnerability report included undocumented boyfriend current partner slash fiance personal legal issues that's all in caps florida driver's license suspension fiance's job homophobic discrimination i don't know if he's doing the discriminating or he was discriminated (laughs) against i don't know what that means one that just says nyc's worst landlord donor Carpetbagger, voting record in New York, subtle changes to grandparent story, among other things. I really wish I had this man's confidence, you know? If you could bottle that shit, you could be a billionaire. Do you know whose masterclass I want? Not Chris Jenner's. George Santos. <laughs> How to build confidence from literally nothing. It sucks that, like, we don't know what OnlyFans creators he spent the money on. 
I read some tweet, and I don't know if it was verified, but some of them were female OnlyFans, which just makes things more confusing. And I love it. Anywho, moving on to, oof, okay, bad news again. Bad, bad news. Moschino got a new creative director, this guy named Davide. I don't know if it's Ren or Renee, Italian man who had worked at Gucci for the past 20 years. He just got the Moschino job. He'd been working on his first collection, worked there for nine days, and up and died of a quote-unquote sudden illness at the age of 46. New York Times, he apparently died of a heart attack after a brief hospitalization, according to people with knowledge of his condition. I love how there are background sources about a fashion designer passing away. It's so fucking sad because like I don't know if being the creative director of a major fashion house was his life's ambition but if it was it's so scary to think that you could work towards something for your whole life you know you're working under Tom Ford you're working under Frida Giannini you're working under Alessandro Michele then you finally get the gig where you can do your own thing and just like father time fucks you Sucks that we'll never know what he wanted to do with Moschino. Certainly sucks for Moschino execs. Yeah, I'm sure their grief lasted very briefly and was more quickly filled with like, fuck. It's just, it's depressing. Another multi-stylist design collab collection. Oh, God. Another depressing fashion thing we haven't talked about is Tom Ford's profile in GQ. Yeah, it had the same vibe as his film A Single Man somehow. One thing that I think we both have always loved about Tom Ford is he's very honest, even about the fact that he's like, yeah, I had 10 good years of Gucci where I was influential, and I've kind of just done that the rest of the time. And fashion is really a young man's game, and I'm 60, so like, fuck it. My partner died. Life has no meaning. I have this young child. And now we're in Palm Beach. I obviously contemplated the tragedy of him losing his partner of 35 years. I wasn't really thinking about the kid. Yeah, I mean, you really feel it in this article when Tom Ford discusses that he's going to London with his son Jack because ever since his other father died, he thinks that this one is going to die as well. And so Tom Ford gave him a choice where he's like, well, if I get on this plane and I die and you're with me, like, we'll both die. Or you could stay in Palm Beach. Which one would you rather do? And he's like, I'd rather be with you. This is actually one of the realest articles I've ever read about a person in the fashion industry. The fact that he says, last year I was having some kind of surgery and they're like, who should we contact in case of emergency? And I realized that I had no... No one, so I gave him the number of my personal assistant. Yeah. I also love the detail that they mentioned that Tom Ford was listening to Studio 54, like Sirius Radio or something. Studio 54 Radio on Channel 54, Chelsea. He went to Studio 54. I didn't think that the people that listened to that were necessarily actually frequenting Studio 54 at the time, but... Of course. My favorite other detail is he discusses Ridley Scott's House of Gucci, and one detail that was not in the movie. One, that everyone thought it was a mafia hit on Maurizio Gucci. And two, his menswear collection was not well received. First women's wear collection was not well received and then it was his men's wear collection which his partner Richard Buckley at the time was like, women have to want to fuck in these clothing. No one wants to fuck in these clothes, Tom. And he was like, you're right. And he worked it out. The good news from this tragedy is he probably has another 20 years in him. 
And what he wants to do with that time is make movies. And he figures he could probably do five movies. I hope he does. I can't wait to watch all of them. Will he be the one to finally give us our Isabelle Huppert, Julianne Moore, Emma Stone family movie? I would love that. That would be beautiful. And I hope he makes a movie set in Palm Beach where he is currently living. Although it makes me so sad to know that his L.A. mansion is basically just empty. I drive past it constantly. And now I'm going to think like, Tom, why can't I just house sit? Come on. That's I'm true. right here. Someone needs to flush, I'm sure, the 20 toilets in the 20 bathrooms in that house. Exactly. Could be me. He's just a fascinating person. In every detail in that article, whether he was talking about realizing he had a Coke problem when he started doing Coke in the mornings or talking about how he puts excess fabric in the crotch of men's briefs so your dick looks bigger, like he gives it to you straight. Absolutely. And his assertion that he can look at five pairs of shoes and be able to pick the most commercial that's just his thing genius genius shall we talk about some stuff we've watched yeah i watched david fincher's latest film the killer as did you thoughts it's the story of a nihilistic hitman who loves the smiths i don't really know what else to say about it (laughs) and the whole time he is basically giving you a ted talk about how to be an assassin but it's like delivered via voiceover He's like, you can't have empathy. The best non-spoiler logline I can give of this film is like, man, David Fincher definitely watched the last three John Wick films and was like, man, I want to fucking do that. Yeah. It is David Fincher's John Wick movie. I can totally see that. Yeah, it starts as kind of like a rear window type situation in Paris. Then we go to the Dominican Republic and we start listening to Portishead. And then it's just kind of about like tracking down all of the people that you know, fucked with his girlfriend, wife, whoever the fuck. When I saw the trailer, I was like, ooh, what a masterful trailer that tells you nothing about the plot because, like, it must be so intricate. Ooh, I can't wait for the twist and turns. I and, mean, like, guess what, guys? He botches the job. They try to kill his girlfriend, so he kills everyone else. That's it. <laughs> and that's not even a spoiler. And I'm not even mad at that, actually. Like, it's obviously not my favorite David Fincher movie, but I was completely entertained watching it. Although, like Zodiac, it's like I was there when I was watching it. Nothing to say about it now. Not a thought in my head. No opinion. No. And it's not what critics have said is like a spiritual sequel to Fight Club. It's like, yeah, okay, in the first scene he's hiding out in a WeWork, but I don't think that's a scintillating commentary about our culture. No, it's not. Just kind of funny, because David Fincher is kind of a funny person. I did love the use of music in this film, and of course I love to see Tilda Swinton being her crazy-ass self. This is my issue with any kind of spy or assassin film. Because the whole idea is like how regular, regular Michael Fassbender is. We should say Michael Fassbender's the lead of this film. He is the killer. Well, he is regular. Like he's kind of like not that major. I don't mean that in the he's a bad hitman sense. I mean that in the he's kind of boring sense. Right. The whole point is he's supposed to blend in. In one of his many never ending monologues done in voiceover, it's about how like you shouldn't be memorable, but it's like, you're Michael Fassbender. Like, if I saw you and then someone mysteriously died, I'd be like, the guy looked like a shark. <laughs> like, that's who this guy okay, looks like. Okay, it's not even about his face. It's about the fact that he's wearing some combination of, like, a Panama hat and a bucket hat with a matching overcoat. Like, I'm remembering that guy. Yeah. 
Like any man that matches a hat to a jacket and it's not black, like I'm I'm remembering that for weeks potentially. Yeah. Did you see anything out of the norm? It's like, well, did you ever see the Sex in the City episode where she dates the jazz guy? He kind of had like a pork pie hat. It coordinated with his trench coats. <laughs> he looked like the the Irish actor Michael Fassbender. <laughs> My favorite guilty pleasure film is The Saint with Val Kilmer. And there's a scene where the whole thing is that he dresses in disguise and Scotland Yard is like, different nose, but same eyes. It's like, same lips. Val Kilmer has the most distinctive Cupid Bow's lips. <laughs> That's why he's also a bad Batman. It's like, wait, did you ever notice Bruce Wayne and Batman have the same lips? Yeah, like assassins can't be hot. They have to be unhot so random people don't think about fucking them and then like remember them when they're at a crime scene. Absolutely. You're either going to love it or hate it. Nothing's explained in this movie. You're right. Is she his girlfriend, wife? We don't no. know. Who knows? Who knows? What is it on Netflix? Netflix, which is evidently airing everything we watch. It's on Netflix, so watch it on Netflix. It's two hours flat. Under two hours, 159 minutes. Mm, 120 minutes is two hours. 159 minutes is like <laughs> Killers of the Flower Moon show. <laughs> okay, it's under... <laughs> it's, it's less than two hours... Bitch, I can't do math. I went to art school. We've, we've established this. Of course. You want to talk about some other art school rejects and talk about the curse? Sure. Well, what did you think of it? Because I've enjoyed watching it. I started watching it because Paul really wanted to. And two episodes have aired. We've had to watch it in two shifts each episode. And they're only 30 minutes. No, they're an hour. That's my problem with it. I think it should be 30 minutes kind of mage though you don't think it's funny see i don't see where the show is going which is something i respect about it oh 100 percent true for those who don't know what the show is it's nathan fielder's show that he created with the safety brothers benny safety is in it nathan fielder and emma stone play a millennial version of chip and joanna Gaines, and they have their own HGTV show set in New Mexico. I guess my issue with it is it's very quickly off the bat revealed like, oh, we're doing this show in the depressed working class town of Española so that we can jack up the property rates and make a shit ton of money. Right, but the concept of their reality show is that they're like gentrifying the community, but also like quote unquote creating opportunities or something. Nathan Fielder and Emma Stone play characters that definitely like came out of a girls episode and moved to New Mexico. A lot of the humor is very girls. In this couple, it's like everything they say is like a microaggression. Right. And that's kind of the tension of the show. I don't know. I think Nathan Fielder is fascinating because I don't think there's anyone like him really. Like he's kind of like if Tom Green and Marina Abramovic fucked and had a child it would be that vibe because it's like you're never sure it's like is he pranking someone or is this some sort of performance art situation and the answer is both but if you've watched any of Nathan Fielder's previous work you will not be prepared for the subplot that is introduced in the first episode which is Nathan Fielder's character has a micropenis and so does his father-in-law 
That's the genius thing about it. I was quite taken with the way that sexuality was presented on the show or the relationship between Nathan Fielder and Emma Stone was just, they really went there. Well, it is one of the most realistic sex scenes, which in the first episode to establish that they have some weird cucking. They're doing a role play, but it's like dirty talking, but it's about a cuckolding situation. Obviously the cuckold person isn't there. And he's also not fucking her he's just getting her off with a vibrator right very realistic but during the introduction of the micro penis scene I did turn to Paul and I was like that is an unusually small penis right and he was like correct yeah it's hard to tell when they're flaccid I mean you know they grow Chell I don't fucking know and you know what I don't want to know I did think that the scene with his father-in-law was incredible where he shows his own tiny cock to him yeah how do you think of this shit you know the whole thing with Chip and Joanna Gaines is that they live in Waco Texas So they are gentrifying Waco, Texas. I literally know nothing about Chip and Joanna Gaines. I thought that was like a country western like singers. But it's like they are trying to rebrand the worst thing that's ever happened in Waco. Like forget about the fires at the Branch Davidians. Look at this wonderful shiplap. I don't know what you just said, but I'm into it. David Koresh? That I know about. That I remember. That happened at Waco. They were called the Branch Davidians. Oh, okay. I forgot. I just remember like watching it like on CNN as it was happening as like a little girl or whatever. Imagine 20 years later, it's like we've now painted this brick colonial white and put barn doors. Oof. Well, I'm excited to see where this goes. Also, we need to see this new Emma Stone movie. What is it called? Poor Things. Yeah, we got to see that. I also saw Yorgos Lathamos at the Sunset Tower the next morning. Wait, how did you not mention that? That's so major. Love him. Thank you. All right. It's about that time. Kardashian-aholics anonymous. This is a case for the FBI. You're just a witch, and I hate you. I do love in our outline, you just have a note that says, American Horror Story is unwatchable. And it's like, I went back to Hulu. I was like, oh, did I miss an episode? And it's like, no, it hasn't been on for the last week or two. The production got upended because of the SAG strike. So it just randomly ends. Oh, so you ran out of episodes. You didn't just like give up. No, did you give up? Yeah, I gave up. Wow. Like no shade to the actors. Costume design is great. Love all that shit. I can't watch it. I can't do it. And I think that that's like crazy because who is this for? If not you. You couldn't find a bigger Ryan Murphy stan. You couldn't find a bigger fan of pregnancy horror shit. Couldn't find a bigger Kim Kardashian fan. Couldn't find it. So where did you stop? Because I'll fill you in. Uh, I don't even know where I stopped. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I don't know. Some fuckettes who live outside the United States are like, stop saying what happens in the show. We haven't gotten it yet. So skip ahead like a minute. Where part one ends is that, right, Kim Kardashian takes on the rival client of Emma Stone. Or Emma Roberts. Sorry, wrong Emma. Kim Kardashian calls her and is like, how much do you want to win an Oscar? And she's like, I do. And then Emma Roberts falls asleep and has like a scary prophetic dream. And when she wakes up, her husband tells her that the rival actress has died after winning her Golden Globe in a car accident. So you're led to believe like Kim Kardashian has some mystical evil power that's controlling all of this. That sounds interesting. It's just you have to watch an I can't, hour I can't, of it. I'm just saying I can't do it. 
I can't do it. And that's where I'm at with that. Another thing that isn't in our outline, but I did want to bring up, but I have to show you a video. Jared Leto was recently interviewed and someone brought up the fact that I guess people on the internet have been saying that he and Scott Disick look exactly alike. And are they twins? This is a theory. I don't know if you've heard of it. You and Scott Disick are twins. Wow, lucky me. They do say that people that look alike actually share a lot of DNA. That would be uh, nice because yeah. then I would have a rich relative because he's very wealthy, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do they look similar? Yeah, of course they look similar. What do you mean? I think every man looks similar to every other man. So of course I think they look similar. Okay, for, for someone that can tell men apart, I never previously thought that they look alike. It does make a lot of sense. Since at one point, previous to Scott Disick having a beard, his whole persona was Patrick Bateman. Jared Leto was in American Psycho. You know, pop culture is a flat circle is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> oh, I know. We have to go. We have to we'll go. go. Our, our partners who have been entertaining themselves in the other room have come back. So, All right. All right. All right. That's about it, guys. Hope you are having a lovely holiday weekend. Congrats on your engagement, Lauren. Oh, thank you. We're sending you guys prayers who are having terrible holiday weekends and are listening to this like barricaded in a bathroom or your fuckets outside the United States and you're like, it's just another week. <laughs> Why can't I end this show? Ooh, should I ask Kendall? Oh my God. Or I mean Billy? Okay, this is what Billy says we should sign off this episode. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, keep it real, keep it pop culture. Or that's a wrap, folks. Stay glamorous and stay informed. Wait, isn't that what she said last time? This is why AI sucks. God damn it, that is what she said last time. Anyway, we'll be back next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.